Welcome to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. Telomeres. First discovered in the 1970s and ever since theorized to play a key role in aging and age-related disease. Yet little can be done in the present day to counteract the effects of telomere shortening. Some companies sell telomerase activators, others test telomere length, but the industry is still in its infancy. Enter Dr. Preston Estep of the Personal Genome Project. He has developed a new telomere test and a company around the process. Listen in to find out a little more about Dr. Estep, the new testing company, and some general thoughts about life extension. Good afternoon, Dr. Estep, and welcome to Longevity Now. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Well, the first thing I'd like to ask you is of interest to many people who aspire to life extension is how did you first become interested in the genomics of health, aging, and lifespan? I became interested primarily because I uh, met George Church at Harvard Medical School. I was focused on neurobiology, mind, brain at the time, but genomics was becoming very hot. The tools for genomics were becoming well-developed, better developed than some of the tools that, that I was using in neurobiology. And I thought, I'm interested in, in high-throughput, you know, computational approaches to biology. And so the, the most well-developed tools that were becoming available and that I could contribute to and that I could use for experimental approaches to, to biology were genomics tools and, and uh, the, you know, the whole genomics framework. Uh, for doing research. So when I met George Church, I told him that I had an interest in using computers, applying computers to, to biology on a large scale, but there didn't exist the kinds of data sets at that time to work on computationally. So George convinced me, as he often does with many people, that the future is going to be very different and that we could make the future in any way we wanted to and that the most computable information on the immediate horizon was genomic information. I was already interested in life extension. I was already interested in, in you know, concepts like uploading, mind transfer, and you know, uh, consciousness. And so that meeting with George convinced me that I could eventually bring tools of genomics back to the study of mind and brain, but that to do it on a very, very large scale, genomics was the way to go for the moment. I see. So then, what eventually led you on to the path of telomeres and the founding of Telomy? So telomeres are a really interesting part of the genome. They're, they're the one dynamic part of the genome in every cell. There are other cell types that have dynamic parts of the genome, you know, the change that gets spliced. But there are, uh, in every single cell, telomeres shorten over time in replicating cells. And as people who uh, understand the uh, evolutionary framework of gerontology know, there's no selection on the protections of an organism's traits in its later parts of its life, in its post-reproductive phase of its life. So telomeres shorten, and they get to a point where they're deleterious, where they actually harm the organism. And there's no evolutionary protection against that process of telomere shortening and eventual undermining of the health of the organism. And I, I realized at some point when I was studying the evolution of aging and senescence that telomere shortening is just one of several aging clocks that lead to senescence, that lead to uh, somatic decline, but it is one 
that we know how to control and we can measure it and it's a critical part of the genome that that is involved in the etiology of various uh, diseases and disorders okay. of, of, of later life. So I'm interested in the genome generally, but I'm also interested in life extension. Yeah. I'm interested in giving people, you know, the, the most powerful tools possible to both measure their declining health and to prevent that eventual declining health. And what can you say about the methods that Telomere uses in order to measure the length of telomeres? I know many people are interested in measuring their own telomere length, and they're interested in, uh, you know, telomerase activators. So can you speak about a little bit about your uh, method for measuring telomeres? I know it has not always been easy in the past for companies who have gone down this path. Right. So we have different approaches. We have two different technologies for measuring telomeres. They're actually very similar to one another. That they're uh, they're they're based somewhat on um, the current gold standard of telomere restriction fragment analysis through uh, Southern blot like approach. Uh, I I can't go into too much detail right now because we're actually filing some some uh, IP protections right now. Hopefully, in the next uh, month, we'll be able to put much more detail on our website. In our, in our basic test, we use a process that returns a, an average telomere length, and we, we also have some insight into the proportion of critically short telomeres, and we'll return some of that data with the basic test. We also have a premium test that details the entire length distribution of all telomeres in a given sample. So, for example, you know, we'll return a, a report that shows the uh, the distribution of, of tens of thousands of telomere lengths, individual telomere lengths. The report will show what proportion of those telomeres are under a, a, a critical threshold. Okay. And, and those telomeres are involved in, in the most pathological processes that, that telomeres can be involved in, including uh, triggering cellular senescence, and apoptosis. Okay, so it sounds as though there will be a variable pricing structure for your commercial product that might be coming out soon. Uh, any indication of the price range for people who are interested in measuring their telomeres? Yeah, so right now in Indiegogo, we're, we're offering uh, the basic test for $99 with an $89 um, early bird special. And then the premium test is being offered on Indiegogo for $299. Those prices are going to go up after the Indiegogo campaign. The basic test will be $149. The premium test will be $349. And the comparable tests on the market, uh, for the basic test, there's a, there's a comparable test, uh, qPCR-based test. And then there's a, uh, there's a test that's offered by LifeLength that's uh, similar to our premium test, where they give you the entire length distribution. The main difference being not only that where our prices are lower, but we do all of our analyses on saliva. So we can collect your saliva sample at home through the mail, and then uh, you don't have to get blood drawn. You don't have to visit a, a doctor or a phlebotomist to, to deliver your sample to us. Okay. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty easy then. Direct to customer uh, tests available. And then I wanted to know also how, you know, you already talked about this a little bit. How important are telomeres in the aging and senescence process in contrast to some of the other aging clocks that are 
present in the body. I recently spoke with Bill Andrews of Sierra Sciences, and he is under the thought or impression that telomeres are perhaps one of the number one points of intervention for arresting senescence. What is your thought on that? I partly agree with Bill. I think that for many people, they will be the primary limiting aging clock. We haven't done enough tests and gotten enough detail on population dynamics at this point to know which people those people are. One of the reasons is that the most widely used tests is this basic uh, approach where you get uh, average telomere length. And that doesn't really give you uh, the kind of detail we need to know about how much any individual is at risk for telomere short-dependent pathologies or diseases. My guess, though, is that given some recent publications, that the proportion is fairly high. And I don't know whether that means 10% or 60% our lifespans are limited by, by short telomeres. But I, I do believe it is in the single, uh, the, the double digits, that, that there probably you know, a substantial percentage of the population for whom short telomeres are contributing to late life pathology and, and death. Okay, and then you mentioned about measuring the distribution of telomere length. Do you have any way of telling which cells those telomeres are coming from? Because I know, I believe, the most commonly tested cells are immune cells for telomere length. Leukocytes, right. Leukocytes, right. Is there any future test that you will have that uh, can say which cells have the shortest telomeres in your body? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to dive too deep into the research. Um, there, there is uh, there's some um, references on our website, on the telomere.com website, that highlight this research, but I will just, just go over a little bit of what the research tells us. One really important fact is that saliva DNA is derived mostly from the hematopoietic or the blood cells. So leukocyte DNA isn't only found in blood, it's found in saliva. The primary source of saliva DNA is blood DNA. Okay. So th they should be similar because they're derived from the same source. But then there's another piece of information that's really important to know, and that is that just in the last few weeks, there's a publication in Nature Communications showing that telomere length and telomere attrition across all measured tissues were very, very similar in the somatic tissues of adults. So okay. you, can, you can probably use saliva or leukocyte telomere length as a proxy for other tissues. Oh, well, that's uh, very interesting to know. And then also I wanted to ask if you have any thoughts on current telomerase activators. Are they any, uh, of any use, the ones that some people are taking, you know, supplemental forms, natural products, uh, or uh, do you know or have any indication if telomerase activators work? Uh, they've been reported to work in the literature, and, and if the data are to be believed, they do work. The, so astragalus, a TA65, has been used in both preclinical study and in uh, model organism in mouse. And it was shown in those studies that the telomeres do get longer. The short telomeres do get longer. It's unlikely that a test that measures average telomere length is going to be able to detect the telomere elongation activity or telomerase activity of those weaker telomerase activators. Uh, but our premium tests, where you get the, the distribution of telomere lengths, 
and you get the actual lengths of the, of the shortest telomeres, that will allow you to detect even weak telomerase activity. And I actually just saw a recent report uh, when I was browsing through the literature last night that there's a new uh, experimental telomerase activator that is being researched that, that might be uh, more powerful than, than existing ones. But, you know, we don't know if the existing ones uh, are sufficient. They might be. One of the things that is a little bit perplexing about the um, telomere maintenance and telomerase activation market that, that has developed is that the, the telomerase activators were widely sold and, and offered by many vendors prior to good tests for determining whether they're, not, they're working or not. So one of the things that, that catalyzed the formation of Telomy is that, is that other people, other organizations, other companies were selling telomerase activators in the absence of tests that were sufficiently sensitive to measure whether or not they were actually doing anything. Oh, well, it's nice to know, though, that telomere testing is getting better now and that we will be able to get some substantial data on that. One final question on telomeres, and that is the cancer question or the cancer theory. Ever since, you know, I think telomeres were uh, discovered, people have been saying, well, if you increase the length of uh, telomeres, you're going to increase the risk of cancer. And now I've been, you know, I've kind of read through some of the literature. I've talked to some other folks who have been involved with telomeres, and I'm unsure that there is any concrete data to back up that suspicion that you'll increase your risk of cancer if you increase the length of your telomeres. What's your thought on that? My thought is that it, that it is possible, but we don't know. We need to test a lot more people with better tests, and then, then we'll know. Then we'll have some good data on, on this question, and we'll be able to decide it based on empirical evidence rather than on, on models or suppositions or assumptions. Right now, you know, I think it's a reasonable model that telomerase activation in some people might be deleterious, might promote cancer growth. But we don't actually know that. We don't actually have the data, but we, we, we do have data. We do have good data that tell us short telomeres are definitely a risk for cancer. I think there's no question about that. And so I think for every individual, they should have a baseline measurement done with a sensitive telomere test to determine whether or not they should embark on any course of action to, to lengthen their telomeres. I'm not going to promote any you know, medical advice or I'm not going to give sure. medical advice or promote sure. any, any you know, course of action to lengthen one's telomeres until we actually have more data on what what the distributions are in individual people. Okay. Um, I think we're data deficient. We're seriously data deficient at this point in determining an, an answer to this question. Sure. Okay, a couple more questions yet. What is the latest out of the Personal Genome Project? Anything interesting? Uh, any new discoveries? We're having a GET conference. We're holding this conference over the next couple of days, and there are going to be a bunch of new uh, activities, third-party activities for PGP participants uh, to engage in. I actually, along with a colleague of mine, Alex Hextra, we, we actually went and uh, did fMRI at Harvard, the Harvard main campus uh, yesterday as part of the, uh, the GET conference third-party activities for the PGP. Um, I'm a personal genome project participant as well as a, a director, and I have to say that, that I'm really excited about uh, the PGP branching out 
into collection of data on the, the brain and, and mind. Uh, the fMRI stuff was really a, a fun experience. Okay. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other uh, exciting stuff that's going on, and we are sequencing genomes. Um, we're, we're sequencing genomes more rapidly uh, over time, but it's still a fairly slow process. Um, but we are approaching 200 fully sequenced genomes. Um, by the end of this year, we'll probably have an excess of 500. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and and about, we're also yeah. measuring telomeres, by the way, to tie this in our previous oh, discussion. Sure. Um, so telomere is measuring telomeres in uh, PTP participant samples. Great. And uh, we have a uh, we have a contribution that, that people can make on our Indiegogo campaign to support PTP participant telomere analysis. And PGP participants can go there and support the. They can the, they can donate money at this. Uh, Indi- they can donate Indiegogo. money to, to support the analysis of their own telomeres, right? Okay. Or anyone else's. And with the Get Conference coming up in Boston over the next couple of days, uh, will there be papers or videos online posted eventually? I think most of the conference will be posted. Will will be streamed online. Oh, okay. That's great. We uh, people can check that out then. Um, right, there, and there are going to be some great talks. There's some really interesting talks. Not terribly interesting from a from a life extensionist perspective, but you know how these things go. Oh, in sure. Most of these, but with the, I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the fundamental research and the uh, routine lab work and the uh, the data crunching that needs to go on in the background before we can ever hope for life extension. So some of those um, talks, I think, may be of great interest to uh, some of our uh, longevity members. I think so. Yes. A question here about uh, a few years ago, you became rather famous for being a harsh critic of the SENS approach to senescence and aging. How, if any, have your thoughts uh, changed on that subject over the last few years? They haven't changed too much. I'm a supporter of any legitimate effort to extend lifespan. You know, most of the legitimate efforts, and and there are, and and as I said at the time, and my co-author said in, in our technology review piece said at the time, there are legitimate pieces of SENS, and we're supportive of the legitimate pieces of that. You know, for example, Johan Bjorkson was originally researching breaking up aggregates yes. in intracellular aggregates in the 1970s uh, with a very similar approach that has been proposed, you know, and is being researched under the umbrella of the Sense Foundation today. Uh, he proposed using microbial enzymes taken from remains uh, in graveyards to discover, you know, enzymes that would break up of these kinds of aggregates, and, and he proposed to use them in vivo, exactly as the Sense Foundation is doing now. I actually don't think that that's a extremely fruitful approach, but who knows? I mean, that it might be. And so I support uh, research into that area. You know, ever since Bjorkson proposed it, and uh, you know, other people have thought that it was a a generally interesting line of research, but not sufficiently so for people to pick it up until the early 2000s and fund it and actually get into the lab and do it. So I'm glad that people are doing that. Okay. You know, I'm glad that that potentially fruitful line of research you know, has been picked up again. So there are positive aspects to, to SENS and the SENS Foundation, and I applaud what they're doing Great. in those areas. Okay. And then lastly, do you have anything else uh, you'd like to promote, a book, a paper, or maybe a future conference beyond the GET conference? 
not right at the moment, but you know, one of the things that I do want to emphasize is that we, as life extensionists, um, you know, we have multiple choices in front of us. You know, for for things that we want to support and things that we want to participate in. You know, groups and and uh, discussions. And one of the things that that I think is uh, problematic in the life extension movement more generally is that there seems to be, you know, this clear bifurcation between uploaders and, and rejuvenationists. You know, people who are interested in curing and conquering aging and senescence, and people who are more generally interested in, you know, in informational preservation of self and identity. And I even hear, you know, frequent criticisms of the other side, you know, from rejuvenationists who are think that uploading is uh, impossible or you know, it's been shown to be philosophically unlikely. I think we should all be extremely and broadly supportive of these general areas and realize that what we're really talking about is narrowing, you know, what we're really all focused on or should be is narrowing down the, the range of possibilities to the, to the few most likely and most powerful technologies for producing results as soon as possible and then accepting whatever that is. So if you're a rejuvenationist, you know, if you want to cure aging but think that, you know, uploading is, is you know, not for you, if you want to, you know, stay in the same human form and, you know, reject this, this idea of uploading, reject cryonics or reject any other potential pathway to indefinite life extension, I think it's important for you to realize that we should work toward and accept whatever technologies are most fruitful and on the nearest horizon. If it's life extension through the conquest of aging, let's do it. Let's attack it that way. And that's what I do. I'm a very strong believer and promoter of identity transfer, of uploading, of life logging, of uh, soft takeoff AI, or you know the kinds of things that Martine Rothblatt and Bill Sims Bainbridge support with LifeNot and, you know, those, those other kinds of efforts, huge supporter of those kinds of things. You know, I, I love what Martine's doing. But, you know, my business is also in, in aging and senescence sure. and, you know, the biology of rejuvenation. But I would love to see, the, you know, these, these communities less fractious and more integrated and just more openly supportive of, you know, just this general goal of indefinite life extension in whatever way, whatever form, you know, we can make it happen. All right. Well, thank you for that detailed answer and with something certainly to keep in mind. Dr. Estep, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Well, it sounds like more telomere data will be arriving soon. Perhaps this will help uncover the degree to which telomeres affect aging. Remember that you can help out. The Telomere Indiegogo campaign and the Personal Genome Project are just two of the hundreds or even thousands of ways you can contribute in the battle against aging. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.